Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to a special edition of Commons People. I'm Arj Singh. You may have noticed that HuffPost UK's website is looking a little different this week. That's because we've handed over the reins to Black Ballad, a website run by and for black British women. At the heart of the takeover are the shocking results of Black Ballad's landmark motherhood survey, launched to explore the stories behind the appalling statistic that black women are five times more likely than white women to die in pregnancy and childbirth in the UK. We'll be talking about how and why the study came about, where we go from here, and taking a wider look at the health inequalities black people face in the post-coronavirus world we live in. Joining me to unpack it all are Ace HuffPost reporter Nadine White. Hi. Hi, Nadine. We've got Black Ballad's head of editorial, Jendela Benson. Hi, glad to be Hi. here. Hi, and we've got the co-founder of the Five Times More campaign, Tanuke Awe. Uh, before we get started, let's just listen to one of the 2,500 contributions Black women submitted to Black Ballad Survey. And they had to rush me for an emergency C-section after I'd already been there all night. And she had an emergency C-section. She ended up being totally fine. And I ended up in recovery, bleeding out, having a major hemorrhage. Um, and being surrounded by, you know, loads of doctors and nurses trying to pump blood into me really quickly. Later on, I heard that junior doctor who wasn't listening to me the whole way through when I said that I needed help earlier on, being given the telling off of his life in the corridor within earshot of me, that he should have done something a lot sooner than he had, and that I could have died. Uh, Jandela, we've just listened to one of the many stories of substandard care that your survey revealed. Can you can you tell us a little bit more about how this piece of work came about and, and how you went about it? Yeah, so um, at the beginning of the year, we launched a survey around um, black motherhood, specifically to get the experiences of black women in Britain and their kind of thoughts and feelings towards motherhood in general, as well as specifics around the care that they've received. And um, the real reason why was because we found that Unblack Ballad is probably one of the most um, popular topics, motherhood. And that's often because black mothers aren't really seen or spoken about anywhere else besides kind of like the private conversations that we have with our friends and our family so if you ever go and you try to research the experiences of black women in Britain when it comes to motherhood you will find next to nothing you'll get pointed to the US and obviously we've been talking a lot about this statistic around um, black women's maternal outcomes and the fact that they're five times more likely to kind of die in childbirth and kind of um, that was the only statistic that was available but there's so much more to motherhood than that. It's an important statistic. And obviously, we really wanted to highlight the kind of disparities and the um, shocking kind of experiences. But also, we just wanted to have a more well-rounded view. So the survey covers everything from um, fitness, beauty, body image, to health and um, healthcare experiences, as well as just the attitudes of women who aren't mothers yet. What do they think about motherhood? What are they considering when they're 
um, thinking about starting a family, what are the things that are important to them, how do mothers, black mothers, spend their money, so the survey covers a lot, but um, it was really to kind of plug this gap that was just not there, which was kind of quantifiable data around black women in Britain and motherhood. Yeah, and that's kind of a story we'll we'll explore throughout the podcast. Nadine, you kind of went through the survey and particularly on the maternal outcomes and picked out some pretty horrific experiences. Can you tell us a little bit more about what people have been experiencing in that um, area and and maybe also in a wider sense in relation to the survey? Yeah, so um, there were just a number of harrowing experiences um, that black women had gone through when accessing healthcare um, during their pregnancy, and we're talking from prenatal stage right up to postnatal. Um, a number of instances where women encountered racism, um, experienced microaggressions, and um, with substandard care. Um, and oftentimes, uh, as, as far as the respondents kind of indicated, um, it led to complications um, throughout their pregnancies. Uh, so a few cases that come to mind is um, a, a woman was made to walk to the delivery room when she was in labour. Meanwhile, white women were literally being wheeled in wheelchairs to the labour room. And there's been a lot of instances where women have complained of pain in some way or another and been ignored. And in some cases, this has led to like really serious um, diagnosis of illness, such as um, cancer and um, yeah, ovarian cancer and a few other examples as well. And there have been jibes, jibes and comments made about black women's capacity to speak English and their family background and just a lot of different microaggressions, you know, manifesting through comments made. And um, it just painted a really bleak picture as far as, you know, black maternal health care in the UK and definitely highlighted that a lot of work needs to be done where that's concerned. I think it's it's really frustrating because um, we um, kind of as a community we're highlighting our needs and this is something that we think is really important we're not expecting anyone else to kind of raise the banner for us but when we take our concerns directly to the people who are meant to address them and take them seriously just to kind of come back with this like generalized statement is really discouraging because what does that it doesn't help us it doesn't guarantee that you even understand what is at stake here because if we're talking about the fact that black women are five times more likely and you're coming back and saying oh okay BAME women and poor women and I mean obviously I care about the outcomes for everyone but we are five times more likely and if you're going to kind of conflate us with this overall picture we get lost and the nuances of our experience get lost and the important thing is that um they take us seriously they take to heart what we are saying because there there's always this idea okay let's investigate let's investigate how many investigations do we need how many um horror stories do we need how many black women have to come and kind of pour their trauma out in public for people to understand that this is a really serious issue and just kind of platitudes and kind of like oh my gosh this is like it's not gonna cut it anymore like we need serious serious movement on this and to kind of come back and say that it's, it's not acceptable I, th- I think there's some people who might think that the government wouldn't, maybe wouldn't even have done anything if it wasn't for the Black Lives Matter movement. But do you think that they're missing the point of that in some way? I think that, unfortunately, until they're pressed, nothing is going to happen. And I think 
um, people often ask like, oh, why why is the Black Lives Matter movement necessary? Why are you kicking up this? But it's because it's only when we kick up a fuss do people pay attention. We could sit here and be polite and kind of wait and we'll die. Like, we are dying. Our people are dying. Like, so many people that I know, um, me, myself, we've experienced traumatic um, childbirth. We've experienced these kind of things, like these moments when you literally think, am I going to die? Is my child going to die right now? I mean, pregnancy and childbirth in general is quite um, touch and go a lot of the times for everyone. But um, kind of when you're in that moment and you're having your um, fears and your concerns dismissed and you're being told, oh, we're going to take away your painkillers. So this is me kind of talking from my personal experience. We're going to take away your painkillers now because that's the reason why. And I'm saying, no, I literally cannot push anymore. It's got nothing to do with the painkillers. And then next thing you know, my baby's in distress. I'm being rushed to the operating room. And there's like no apology. There's no acknowledgement. It's like that happens and I want something done about it. And the fact that it has taken Black Lives Matter, which let's be real, the actual kind of um, initiation point for this kind of revival or this kind of uprising came from like outside of the UK which is fine but it's the fact that it takes something outside of the UK to make you look at the people who you're meant to be governing you're meant to be considering the welfare of like it's it's shocking it's like we're meant to be quote-unquote a developed country but is this the way that a developed country operates I I don't know yeah and I mean what what advice would would you guys give to black women who are listening to this podcast who might end up going in the same experiences to UK you want to come in on that So what we ask people to do is to write letters to their MPs uh, following on from the petition. So we are almost at um, 187,000 signatures, which is amazing. But what what we are asking people to do is write to their local MPs to push the Department of Health to give us an an answer outside of what they have given us um, because it's too generalised. It's not immediate enough. What they've said is they want to put in a model for 2024 for all BAME women, and we have asked for something specific and immediate for black women right now now um so that's one thing we do but what what we what i'd like to add also that with the campaign and the five times more campaign we we don't seek to scare pregnant women we know a lot of pregnant women and people who know pregnant women follow us um and our ethos has never been to scare but rather to empower them with the statistics so they can go in with full knowledge um and also give them our five recommended steps and i'm not sure if i you know if there's any time for me to go over that right now um But what we ask people to do is, number one, speak up. So if you feel like something isn't right, speak up, ask questions and use your voice as best as you know how to. The second one we ask people to do is to find an advocate for them. So this can be a friend, um, a partner, this can be a, a family member, somebody that they trust who is clued up about their pregnancy and their childbirth, somebody who can equally speak for them on their behalf if they can't speak for themselves. The third one we ask people to do is to seek a second opinion. So what we, what we mean when we say this is um, if you feel like you're not happy with the standard of level um, uh, of care that you're getting, then you can ask for another midwife or another doctor, or you can ask somebody to um, just, just give you a second opinion so you can further understand what's been told to you if you don't get, if you don't understand. The fourth one is to trust your gut feelings. And that means that you know your body better than anyone else. If you are in pain, then you, you can't allow 
another another person to tell you that you are not in pain or to dismiss your feelings so if you feel like you're in pain if you know you're in pain and something isn't quite right trust your gut feelings and again speak up so those two link together and the fifth one we ask our pregnant women to do is to do their research be clued up about pregnancy be, be clued up about what to expect during childbirth and um we, we ask people to do that via trusted websites such as NHS, Patient and NICE and um, the WHO um, websites as well. So honestly, we really don't want to scare people. We actually just want them to know that this is a thing, but this is not something to be scared about. Uh, echoing uh, what Tanuki said um, about the importance of having these conversations. With the Black Lives Matter movement, I've seen... A lot of online discourse around racism, you know, not just in the US where George Floyd um, was, was, was killed, but also just globally in the global context. But in the UK, um, there was a recent campaign that I covered um, about two to three weeks ago, which was spe spearheaded by um, UK-based midwives. And they were lobbying for a statue to be erected outside the Royal College of Gynecology. Um, dedicated to uh, an, an enslaved black woman by the name of Anaka and also several other enslaved black women who were brutalized by uh, a doctor who's known as the godfather 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 of modern gynecology um, James Marion Sims so back in the 1800s he practiced um, a number of, of surgeries and operations um, on these enslaved black women without consent you know without um, anesthetic and when he perfected his technique he then went on to operate on white women using anesthetic with their consent and so there is a real entrenched history of racism in medicine which needs to be addressed and black women have long bore the brunt of problematic behavior um, as far as as far as that's concerned yeah just before we move on uh, Jenny and Nadine can I ask what the reaction's been like to the survey and, and the takeover this week um, it's been really positive. Um, I think that um, it's important that these conversations are getting out wide. So for a lot of black women, this isn't news. We've been talking about it. We've been advocating for it, but they're glad to see it kind of break out of our circles and get to like a wider audience because the more people that are talking about it, the more people that realize that this is actually going on, hopefully that groundswell of, um, it will provide a groundswell of support for the um, movement that um, people like Tinaka are kind of spearheading with five times more. Um, so there's a lot of positivity in that kind of respect. But also I have to recognise on one hand, it's quite, um, it can be quite traumatising for a lot of black women to engage with it. Because as I said, these are things that are happening to us, to our sisters, to our mothers. So um, the general kind of support has been there. And I think a lot of um, people recognise the importance. But I understand why there are some black women who are like, we love what you're doing, but I, I'm just going to kind of take a step back from this because this is like, this isn't um, theory for us. This is real life. Like this is happening right now. But um, generally, I think it's just been great to, yeah, to see black motherhood on a wider stage and seeing the, the goods, the challenges, the things that need to change, but ultimately our humanity in like 24, no, not 24, 360, three dimensional. <laughs> Let me say that again. <laughs> but um, I think ultimately it's just really good to see um, black motherhood and our humanity like in three dimensions across a like international platform like the like HuffPost. It's just been great.
Oh, it's been great uh, for you to come to us as well. But um, we talk about the wider stage there, but the survey came at a time in which health inequalities facing black people was thrown into sharp focus by the coronavirus pandemic. Public Health England reported in June that COVID-19 deaths among black women in particular were almost three times higher than among white women. But on it, this issue, and indeed the Black Ballot survey and, and the issue around maternal deaths, one key question remains, which is why? Um, Equalities Minister Kemi Badenoch has been tasked with answering that question, at least in relation to COVID. Let's just hear a bit of her. Yes, I, I agree with her. I, I, I do agree with her that we cannot be seen to do anything that looks like a box ticking exercise. But we also should not just be accepting statements like being black is a death sentence in this country. It is not true. It is true that there are disparities. It is true that there are other factors that can make outcomes worse. Let's look at that. But let us not in this house use statements like being black is a death sentence, which young people out there here don't understand the context and then continue to believe that they live in a society that is against them, when actually this is one of the best countries in the world to be a black person. Uh, Jenny, uh, Badenoch in that clip said the UK is one of the best countries in the world to be a black person. Do you agree? Um, best according to what measurements? Because if we look and we see everything from educational out- outcomes for um black students right through to health outcomes as we're obviously discussing right through to um disproportionate imprisonment right through to kind of the fact that there's a serious kind of gap in terms of um, ethnicity and pay like what scale are we looking at that is and if this is the best that black people can quote unquote get what does that mean um what are you saying about black people are we not worthy of actual equality like do we just have to grin and bear it But essentially, just because things might be worse elsewhere for a number of reasons that we can get into, but just because they might be worse in other countries doesn't mean that we should kind of just be grateful for the fact that it's not as bad here, because ultimately what we want is equality. I want to live in a country where I don't. Should I choose to have another child? I don't need to fear for my life. I want to live in another country where I don't need to fear for the outcomes of my children. So just kind of saying, essentially, she's saying be grateful. And I find that patronising, ultimately. I find that incredibly patronising. And even more so coming from um, someone who I would expect should understand a bit more than maybe other MPs do. But if that's her party line, then I don't know what to say about that. Yeah, Nadine, just to come back to, to, to Badenoch and the coronavirus issue, there was a lot of disappointment in that PHE report because it failed to answer the question of why black and minority ethnic people were at greater risk of COVID death. Similarly, we don't really know for sure why, as Tanuke mentioned, black mothers have worse outcomes. Um, in in either case, do we have any inkling yet of why? And, and, and is another review the answer? Um, I, think, I think I know that there, there's a consensus that we are all reviewed out. So, um, you know, at this point, there have been a number of reviews without any um, tangible conclusions being drawn about what what, what solutions um, should be put in place and implemented. But um, there are definitely parallels between the black maternal mortality rate and the fact that black women are five times more likely to die on during pregnancy than their white counterparts, and also the disproportionate impact of coronavirus on black, Asian and minority ethnic communities. Um, so with this, review which was headed up by Professor Kevin Fenton 
um, it involved about 4,000 stakeholders, many of whom pointed towards racism and structural inequality discrimination as key factors behind the disproportionate impact that coronavirus is having on BAME communities. And equally, there is a consensus that that has, and certainly that's the indication from the Black Bandit survey, that that has everything to do with the Black maternal mortality rate as well. So it's something that needs, you know, looking into um, at greater length. Do you think people are scared or unwilling to acknowledge the possible racism aspect in this? I mean, people in positions in power, and, and not just people in the government, people in maybe senior roles elsewhere. That definitely appears to be the case, I think, but there's a difficulty in accepting that racism has a lot to do with it because it's not the lived experience of many people in Westminster, a lot of them cannot speak to personally um, being affected by racism and bigotry and discrimination and having every area of their life affected um, by, by, by this. And so I think that there's a great responsibility for campaigners such as Tanuki, such as, you know, different groups that we um, see doing important work in raising awareness around these issues. And there's also the great responsibility that people like you and I have are, you know, as, as journalists and editors and reporters to hold power to account um, in order to, you know, see solutions come about. Jenny, what were the other issues that were thrown up by the survey? You know, you mentioned at the very beginning, it's not just about this appalling statistic. There are a lot wider issues going on. Yeah, I think um, issues around schooling, um, issues around access to childcare and access to the workplace. I mean, we've definitely covered some of that in our interview with Sharma Reid this week. Um, just how mothers are essentially, um, they are excluded from the workplace by extortionate childcare and kind of policy that doesn't um, allow them to return easily. So I think that's a very um, serious thing. That's why so many mums feel like when they do come back off maternity leave, they have to either change careers, take a step back or just start something new and start working for themselves. Not necessarily because they want to. There are mums who do want to, but some of them feel like it's out of necessity just because... um, yeah, that just access to quality, um, affordable childcare is not there. And I mean, we know that there's money in government. <laughs> we know that it's there somewhere, but um, it's not seen as a priority, like the the future of our children, because this is not just about mothers, it's also about children. And um, we know that um, income has a serious effect on children's outcomes. But if a mother isn't able to get back to work, um, like whose fault is that? Is it her fault? Because there's no um, affordable childcare, but that's kind of the thing that's often put out there. And it's always like, oh, the mother's not doing enough or the mother has to work it out. But I mean, we live in a sort of, like we, there's like a contract between citizens and government and we have these concerns and um, we just want our government to take us seriously and realise that um, this isn't just for us, it's for our children, but ultimately it's for the greater good of the country. Like you want the economy to get moving, like women contribute a lot. Um, you want um, children's outcomes to be better while then provide an environment where children can grow up safely, securely and have access to all the things that any other child can have access to. So, um, yeah, it's like a whole, um, there's a whole spectrum to the problems. But um, ultimately, if we were taken seriously, it would be, be for the good of everyone. Every, the whole country but um 
we need to be seen as fully part of this country and part of this community. Well, thanks, everyone. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for this week. Thanks to my guests for joining me and make sure you subscribe to Commons People on all the usual channels. You'll be able to catch us every Thursday again from early September when MPs return from summer recess. Be sure to also check out our new podcast series, Running Mate, which will explain the American election to us Brits and begins on August the 24th. And definitely check out the news, features, op-eds and personal pieces all featuring on HuffPost UK this week as part of the Black Ballad Takeover. Thanks very much. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.